welcome to the Grace Community Church Podcast. We are grace for everyone, community for everyone, church for everyone. We hope that as you listen to the message from this past Sunday, that your heart is encouraged and you find yourself being drawn to Jesus wherever you're tuning in from. We are so grateful that you've joined us and pray that you'll be blessed as you listen to this week's message. Hello again, friends, and welcome to the new year. Welcome to this new series, Made for This, where we're going to be walking through the book of Ephesians. One of the things we really love to do here with Scripture, how we engage with it here at Grace, is to walk verse by verse through a book of the Bible. It's a great way to understand the context of what's been written. It helps us avoid some of the like cherry-picking of those passages that just make us feel warm and fuzzy, and, and to take like large sections of Scripture and, and break it down into bite-sized pieces. Like reading through an entire book of the Bible, it allows us to understand a little more clearly the threads that run throughout scripture, the, the heart and the tone. If you if you go through the whole book of Ephesians rather than just picking a couple of verses that are um, really um, key to us uh, understanding who God is in our lives. It's great to focus on those and maybe memorize some of those verses, but it's really, uh, it's really helpful to walk through verse by verse because there's so much to glean from a book like Ephesians. Uh, the, we believe that the Bible is able to speak to us in, in our lives here today, that while the letters like the book of Ephesians were written to specific people in a specific time, it still has much to say to us, uh, us as specific people in our specific time, that God by his spirit uses the words of scripture to instruct and to shape us, that in the same way that Paul was writing to encourage and challenge believers in the first century. His words can still provide challenge and encouragement for us today. So we engage with, we, we wrestle with, we study and endeavor to understand not only what the original author was intending or what the original audience might have understood, but in order that we might be shaped into people that are more like Jesus. Because this is what we were made for, to be made more like Christ, to bear the image of God. We were made to share the good news of Jesus. This is what we were made for. We were made for this. So let's get into the book of Ephesians. It's going to be a bit of a whirlwind tour because there's six chapters and we're going to try and cover those in just six weeks. So I'd encourage you to set aside some time each day to read through that chapter for the week. Maybe you want to read through a couple verses at a time or you want to take the full chapter and read through it, you know, six or seven times through your week because there's so much to be mined within these verses. And if you take, you know, a careful and devotional reading on your own, you're likely going to glean more. It'll pay even greater dividends than if you're just listening to the message on Sunday and, you know, likely forgetting about it by Tuesday. So maybe you want to set yourself a reminder, you know, in your phone or on your fridge or beside your bed to, to read Ephesians 1, you know, after watching this today or read it uh, tomorrow morning when you wake up. Every day for the week, dig into the book of Ephesians. So let's, let's go there now. We're going to go to Paul's letter to the church in Ephesus. Beginning in chapter 1, we read, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God, to God's holy people in Ephesus, the faithful in Christ Jesus. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. 
This is the introduction to the letter where we hear not only who's writing, but who he's writing to. It's Paul, the apostle, responsible for a good chunk of the New Testament writing. He's writing to the church in Ephesus. And there's lots that we could say about Paul. He was a rabbi that shows up uh, first in the book of Acts as this murderous persecutor of the church. And he has this dramatic conversion experience on the road to Damascus in Acts chapter 9. And from that moment on, Paul switches gears. He goes from being one of the most, uh, like the largest detractors of the ministry to one of the most prolific missionaries. He shares the good news all over the known world. He's planting churches everywhere that he goes. And one of those churches was in the great Greek city of Ephesus. It's on the shore of the Mediterranean Sea in what would be now modern day Turkey. Uh, Ephesus was one of the you know, five major cities in the Roman Empire. It was an important port city, um, and it was almost halfway between Rome and Jerusalem. Now, Paul had visited Ephesus on his second missionary journey, which we find in Acts 18. And that's likely where he established the church after reasoning with people in the synagogue and then leaving Priscilla and Aquila there in the city. And then we find that he returns on his third journey, his third missionary journey, he returns to Ephesus and spends about three years with the church. So Paul is writing this letter after having spent three years with them and left again. He's in now in Rome, he's in uh, under house arrest, he's been sequestered for preaching the gospel, and so now he turns to writing to encourage the churches. And so this apostle, Paul, knows the church in Ephesus well, and he's writing to encourage them. He's spent significant time with them. He has great care for them. And so you hear the pastoral tone of a letter like Ephesians. You hear this longing, not only that the people would be encouraged and built up, but that he feels a part of them. He uses language like we and us a whole lot. And he says there in the opening that we've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. He talks about the incredible blessings we enjoy as followers of Jesus. For those who have bent the knee, who have recognized Jesus as Lord, that there's this blessing of being in Christ. And that phrase he repeats over and over again, in Christ. The blessing of being in Christ, through Christ, in Christ, in him. We enjoy this blessing because of Jesus. It's because of our connection to Christ. It's because of his life. So I want you to take note of that as you continue reading through Ephesians, how often that phrase turns up and what that means for you as a follower of Jesus. What does it mean for you to be in Christ? Consider what it means for us to be in Christ. Let's continue reading. We'll read verse three again. It says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him, before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love, he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he has lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, he made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ, to be put into effect when the times reached their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. 
In him we were also chosen, having been predestined according to the plan of him who works out everything in conformity with the purpose of his will, in order that we, who were the first to put our hope in Christ, might be for the praise of his glory. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. So far for now. Like notice how often that in Christ or in him appears. In, you know, we have every spiritual blessing in Christ. He chose us in him. He adopted us as sons and daughters through Christ. His glorious grace is found in the one. Redemption is in him. You get the picture. There's this reminder that Paul over and over is repeating that we are in Christ, that we've been brought into the fold, that we have been redeemed, restored, chosen. This is the good news. We've we've been invited to be in Christ, to have our lives enveloped in the life of God, to have our lives so dramatically changed that we become like Jesus, that his life is now in us. We are now in Christ. Now, there's some language there that has maybe caused some debate and discussion over the last few centuries. There's a word that is so charged with meaning that there are entire theological frameworks hung on this concept, and that word is predestined or chosen before the foundations of the world. What does it mean to be predestined or to be chosen, to be set apart. Some, some would ask, does that mean that like God knew before the foundation of the world who would become a Christian and who would not become a Christian? Does, does he already know that who's going to decide to follow him? Does that mean we have free will or we don't have free will? Did God choose us or did we choose him? This, this whole concept is a bit of a mind bender to be sure. And it's, it's not something that we're going to be able to completely unpack or make clear uh, in a message like this. But here are a few things I would like us to consider. Paul mentions that God has chosen us. But the focus of that choosing is that phrase, in Christ. The focus is on him choosing us in Christ. He's not saying that we're the only ones, but rather that we're the first. It's those who have decided to put their hope in Jesus, those early adopters, if you will, those those who heard the message and then responded. Because remember who he's talking to. He's talking to the believers in Ephesus. He's saying, we were chosen. We were chosen. Those of us who already believe. But the goal of that belief is that others might hear that good news, that we would share it with others. Ephesians 1.12 says that in order that we who were the first to put our hope in Christ might be for the praise of his glory. That we who are the first might be the ones who, who share this good news with the world around us. The purpose of the choosing wasn't for our own benefit. It's not just to decide who's in and who's out. It's about who's going to bring this message to the rest of the world. The, the language here echoes the language of God's choosing the people of Israel. You may remember in the Old Testament that God chose Abraham and then his descendants, Isaac and Jacob, to be the bearers of the promised salvation, that he was making a people, that he was redeeming them, that he was showing the world what it looked like when uh, people followed in obedience to Yahweh. It wasn't just for the people of Israel to be chosen, but they were to be an example to the whole world and that others would see the goodness of God through them. They were 
blessed in order that they would be a blessing. So when Paul uses the language of chosen and even the language of, you know, redeemed by his blood, he's, he's lumping us into that ancient story that God's plan has been redemption and rescue all along. Whether we're talking about Egypt and the people of Israel or we're talking about Jesus and the cross, God has been calling people out, covering their sin and bringing them to the promised land. And that redemption wasn't just for their own sake, but it was in order that others may see and come to know the same freedom that we have found. And we'll see more about that in chapter two. Uh, but for now, let, we're going to wrap up chapter one. It says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love of all God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that God, the, sorry, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be the head over everything for the church, which is his body, to the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. For this reason, this is why we were chosen. We were, we were chosen because we are in Christ. And for this reason, he keeps praying for the church. I give thanks for you is what he says because of your faith in Jesus and your love for one another. What a beautiful thing to say about a church, that they're known for their faith and their love. What a beautiful thing to pray for them, that, that they be given wisdom and revelation or understanding that, that you may know him better. And this is my prayer as a pastor. It's, it's why I preach and teach the way that I do. My, my, my prayer is that as we dig into scripture, that you would be blessed with wisdom and understanding, not just so that you have a mind full of wonderful thoughts and, and clear thinking about who God is, but that you might know him and that you might know him better, that the spirit might speak to our hearts and help us to know God more because we've been together and we've encouraged one another that you might know the hope to which he has called you, that you might realize that you too are in Christ and that as he transforms you and gives you new life, that you might share that life with those around you, that his power is at work in and through us, that same power that raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the Father. That power is at work in you. Paul puts it another way in, in a different letter, in a letter that he wrote to the church in Rome. In Romans 8, we read, if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his Spirit who lives in you. We are in Christ. The Spirit is in us. And we'll get more into that next week as we discuss what it means to be alive in Christ. But we've been brought from death to life. We are now in Christ. So let's focus on this like opening chapter a little bit. Let's ask some questions. Let's, let's dig a little deeper for ourselves. Paul, this apostle and 
and beloved friend of the church is under house arrest and he decides to write a letter of encouragement to the believers in Ephesus. And what does he start with? He starts by reminding them of the incredible blessings they already enjoy because they are in Christ, because they've chosen to follow Christ. They've been redeemed, chosen, called out of darkness and into his wonderful light in order that they, they may shine for his praise and glory, that God might be glorified through their lives. Their faith and their love for the saints, it's reached all the way to Rome and Paul gives thanks and he continues to pray that they may know Jesus more, that this process of being shaped in the image of God, of being made more like Jesus would continue for those believers in Ephesus, that they'd continue going down the path that they're on, that they are becoming more and more like Christ. As they are in Christ, they're gaining wisdom and understanding and having their hearts enlightened. And this, this opening is, it's part introduction to like who Paul is and what his heart is for the church. It's part prayer and part praise. Like it's almost like he's talking about them to God, but he's also talking to them about God. There's this kind of mix of uh, a wonderful celebration of what it means to be in Christ. It's giving thanks for all that we have because of Jesus. And it's a reminder of the amazing gift that's been given to us, that we truly have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So what does that mean? What does that mean for you today? Well, first I would ask the question, are you in Christ? Have you chosen to follow him? Have you, have you put your hope and your trust in Jesus? And if you haven't, it's, it's, a simp it's as simple as asking him into your life, of praying a prayer where you begin to turn over your will and submit to his, where, where you recognize that the living for yourself is not the most fulfilling way to live, but that if you live for the kingdom, if you live in the ways of God, that that's where you're going to find life. We're going to pray a prayer to that effect in a moment. And you can pray along with me if you like. If you're in that place where you want to decide to be in Christ. But maybe you answer yes to that question. Yes, I'm in Christ. Well, do you need to be reminded of the blessings that you enjoy because of that? Do you need to be reminded that God is with you and for you and that his power is at work in you and not just in you, but in the world around you? And my prayer for each of you is that you might continue to know him better whether you're taking your first step on that path today or whether you've been walking for years, that day by day you would remind yourself that you are in Christ and that the power that raised Jesus from the dead is going to animate your life each and every day. That you wouldn't live in your own strength or follow your, only your own desires, but that your life would bring honor and glory to God. That the Spirit would so work and move in you that you that it would be apparent to everyone that you you know and love Jesus because this is what we were made for. We were made to be image bearers, ones who reflect the goodness of our creator. Like way back in the Garden of Eden, God said, let us make man, let us make humanity in our image. So in their image, God created man and woman and they were there to bear the image of God. But sadly, the story takes a turn and that image has been tarnished. Sin has caused us to bear that image poorly and sometimes even wickedly. We've chosen hatred instead of love. We've chosen war instead of peace. We've chosen destruction instead of creation. But there is one who came to restore that image, one who was the perfect representation of God. In him, all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. In Jesus, we see the perfect image. And so when we choose to follow Jesus, when we choose to invite him into our lives, 
we become part of that great story. We become in Christ. And then we now reflect that image more faithfully because as we become more like Jesus, we become closer to that perfect image of God. We become those who who give themselves to the way of Jesus and we restore, well, God restores in us that which has been broken. It brings us back to the way things should have been because we were made for this. We were made for this, to be in Christ where we enjoy all of the blessings. Let's pray. Lord, thank you. Thank you for Paul. Thank you for this letter that he wrote to the church in Ephesus. Thank you that we're able to read it centuries later and and still find hope and encouragement in these words. Thank you that we do enjoy every spiritual blessing when we're in Christ. And for those who may be listening, who are just deciding to begin that journey, I pray that you'd work in their hearts right now. You'd help them to take that first step, that they, they'd pray, Jesus, I give my life to you. I want to walk in your ways. Forgive me for all the wrong that I've done and help me to live in your light. Would you, would you come into my life and set me free? For those of us who've prayed a prayer similar to that before, Spirit, would you remind us of the power that is at work in us, that you are molding and shaping us into the image of Jesus? Would you help us to surrender to that and, and forgive us when we choose our own path or our own comfort? Would you help us to walk in ways that bring you honor and glory? Because we recognize the incredible gift that we've been given. And we have no desire to squander it. So would you help us instead to share it with others in order that they might know the freedom that we've found? And we ask these mercies in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you prayed today to invite Jesus into your life, maybe for the first time or you're you're getting back on a path that you wandered away from a while back, I'd love to connect with you. Send me an email, call the church, and, and I'd be happy to connect with you and help you figure out what the next step is in your journey with Jesus. If there's any way that we could be praying for any of you, um, any of you tuning into church at home today, we'd be honored to do that. So go ahead and just drop us a note. Our prayer for you this week is that you would recognize the many blessings that we enjoy as followers of Jesus and that you'd have opportunities to share those blessings with those around you. Thanks again for joining us this morning. We want to send you out with a new benediction for a brand new year. May the beauty of God be reflected in your eyes. The love of God be reflected in your hands. The wisdom of God be reflected in your words and the knowledge of God flow from your heart that all might see and seeing believe. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Peace to you.